Welcome to New Beginnings Fellowship Podcast. Wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by today's message. Church, how we doing? I know I'm in a different role today. Normally I'm up here with a guitar and a mic in front of me, and, but I am wearing a different hat today and I couldn't be more excited about it. Um, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Chad. I get the amazing privilege of being the worship pastor here and I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. And I don't know about y'all, but I think that we are extremely blessed at this church with the, the gifts and the abilities that God has brought into this church with our worship team, our band, our tech team back up there at the top. I mean, we could not do what we do without them. And so we are extremely blessed this morning to be led in worship by this team. And I tell you, I was telling the team before I came out, one of the things I love is like, no matter who's on this stage, we are being led to the kingdom, to the throne room, right? And so if you would give our worship team a hand this morning. And I'll tell you something that's really cool too. God continues to bring more and more people onto the team. It's really amazing to watch. When we got here, when I got here, I should say, my family, and, and uh, Pastor Richard had came to me and asked me to, to take over this position, we had, we had barely just enough people, right? Sometimes we didn't have enough. Man, look what God's done. We have almost 30 people on our team now. Praise God. Praise God. Well, church, I get the awesome privilege to start our new Christmas series, The King Has Come. And I'm, we're going to go over the next four weeks, and we're going to look at the life of Jesus together. And I know that most of you in this room have heard this Christmas story before of the cute and cuddly Jesus. And if you're like me, you'll tend to tune out a little bit during this time of year. But I think what God is calling us to do is to not tune out, but to lean in more and go deeper. Right? He wants to challenge us to lean in more and go deeper. And we will see that there's some great practical truths that we can learn from and more importantly, this has been my prayer all week. That maybe someone in this room would find Jesus for the first time. Y'all, I love our youth pastor. Jeremy did an amazing job last week as he had challenged us to remove the idols in our lives and focus in on Jesus. And there are so many things in this world that want to grab our attention that want to take our focus and lead us astray from the one who sustains us, right? And his message couldn't be more timely in this Christmas season. I want you to think about that. And in the, in the words of the great prophetess, Alanis Morissette, isn't it ironic, don't you think? It's like, come on, it's like rain. Okay, you guys are lame. <laughs> but isn't it ironic that during the time that we set aside to celebrate Jesus and his birth, right? We are the most stressed, we're, we're the most distracted, running on empty messes of ourselves. We try to make sure that everyone gets the presents that they want. We fight with our family putting up Christmas decorations. At least that's what happened in my household this year. 
And you know what else we do? We fight people at Walmart and Best Buy to save 30 to $50 on a TV. And it's probably going to be on sale here in just a couple weeks for less than it was on Black Friday. Right? And here's the problem, church. Here's what we do during this time of year. We start to idolize the holiday and everything that comes with it, and we forget about the person that it's about. We forget about the person that it's about. So we're going to take a look at Luke 1, 26 through 38 today, where the angel of the Lord Gabriel appears to Mary and tells her that she will be the mother of our Lord and Savior. And I'm going to go fast today. I've got a lot to cover. There's going to be a lot of scripture. Like Ryan said, we want to soak everything in scripture. So I've got a lot of scripture for you today. So roll your sleeves up. If you're taking notes, get your pen, pen ready to go. Get your thumbs loosened up if you're on your phone, right? Because we're going to go on a journey together. And we're going to talk about what the incarnation of God, our God becoming human, shows us. And then we're going to look at four responses that Mary has to this message from the angel that she's going to be the mother of our Savior, okay? So let's dig in today. Luke 1, 26 through 28. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And that's going to be significant here in just a minute. We're going to look at that. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. And this is a verse we're going to look at the most. For nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Guys, that's God's word. Let's pray. God, we pray today that we'd be able to look into your word and that we'd be able to take some practical truths and apply them to our lives today. God, that as we hear your word and we hear your message, God, that we would be open to respond to whatever it is that you're calling us to in our lives. And we thank you in advance for what we're going to do today. In Jesus' name, amen. So guys, there are several significant things that we see right away in the scripture. First, think about the culture and the time when, when Mary and Joseph were on earth. See, marriages were arranged, and you were in a one-year espousal. So basically, you think about this. You have to live with your fiancé for one year, just like you're married, but you can't consummate your marriage. So that would be horrible. Right, to live as a married couple and not be able to consummate it until you actually have the wedding celebration 
after that full year. So here in the scripture that we're reading today, this is right where Mary and Joseph were. They were halfway through that espousal process. Let's look at verse 27 again. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. So this is important to us because this is fulfilling prophecy that Jesus would be from the lineage of David. Isaiah chapter 9, 6 through 7, which is a very, very familiar passage for those of us who've been around the church for a while that we recite during Christmas season, says this in verse 6. For unto us, or for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Thirdly, look where this was. In the city of Galilee named Nazareth. People from Jerusalem in that time, they really looked down on Galilee with contempt. I mean, they, they hated Galilee, specifically the village of Nazareth. So this wasn't like some glorious place, right? This was a little village called Nazareth with its bad reputation and all. So this is where God's angel Gabriel went to announce to a young girl God's choice of his human instrument to bring his one and only son into the world to save us. I think that's pretty amazing. So this lines up perfectly with the Old Testament prophecy of how Jesus would come. Isaiah 7, 14 says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. In reference to where Jesus was born, we see in Micah 5, 2, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. So guys, this reiterates the fact that Nazareth was not this like grand palace with five-star hotels. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a resort in Mexico that Lauren and I like to go to, right? It was like the ghetto or the slums. But God chose Nazareth, little Nazareth, to bring his son into the world. So the question is, what does all this mean for us? What does the incarnation of God God becoming human, show us. And I think there's three things that shows us. Number one, God is greater than we think he is. God is greater than you think he is. The most high, I want you to think about this, the most high became the most low. The most high became the most low. The same God who made the heavens and earth, the same God who formed the galaxies, By the way, if you've never seen Louis Giglio's message about the galaxies, you need to go watch it. You will be like, right? The same God that formed the galaxies, who knows the number of hairs on your head, and for some of you, that is way easier for him. Sorry about that. That giant God came to earth in the lowest form of a human baby. John 1.14 puts it this way. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, 
full of grace and truth. Guys, God is so great, in fact, that he was fully God and fully man at the same time. Jesus didn't give up any of his divinity in the incarnation. And I love this quote I found concerning Jesus. Remaining what he was, he became what he was not. Jesus was not God minus some elements of his deity, but God plus all that he made his own by taking manhood to himself. So knowing this, that the most high became the most low, why is it that we think that God can't handle our little problems here on earth? Now hear me this morning. I'm not diminishing what's going on in your life because I know a lot of you are dealing with some heavy, heavy, heavy stuff right now. But what I am saying is this. In the magnitude of how big God is and how great he is, there are little problems to him. There are little problems to him. So why is it that I struggle with insecurities and fear and sin in my life and think that God can't handle it or give me the power to overcome it? Guys, God is bigger than we think he is. The birth of Jesus, the way God chose to send his one and only son in the world, shows us how great, how mighty and powerful our God is. Here's the, here's the beautiful thing. He can use anyone, anywhere, in any social or financial status to do his will. So what does that mean for you? He can use you. I know you think, he pro- like, well, God can't use me. Yes, he can. He can use anyone, anywhere to do his will. And that should give us some extreme hope today. And the second thing it shows us the incarnation of God shows us is the sinfulness of us. The sinfulness of us and just how bad off we are. Guys, we are a mess. We're a big old heap of mess, right? Jeremy talked last week about the Israelites and how they literally experienced God do miracle after miracle after miracle and yet they turned their backs on him time and time again. They worshiped whatever made them feel good, whatever made, helped them fulfill their desires. And they didn't want to listen. And their sin overtook them again and again and again. And I would say today that in a lot of ways, we're just like them. We turn our backs on God. We make idols of things that we shouldn't. And we make a mess of things. But praise God, this is why Jesus came. God knew we couldn't hold up to his standard for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Man, amen. Amen. For our sake he made him sin, who knew no sin, so that we would be the righteousness of God. Guys, we are sinful people in need of a Savior. And the Most High came down low because he knew we needed to be lifted up. The Most High came down low because he knew we needed to be lifted up. And the third thing I see in the incarnation of God that it shows us is God is more loving than we think. He's more loving than we think. Jesus' name in Hebrew is Yeshua, which also could be Joshua, if you look back, 
which translates to the Lord saves, the Lord is salvation, Jesus equals God rescues. Colossians 1, 14 through 16 tells us, in, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. God sent himself because of his great love for us. Here's the deal. He wanted to reveal to us his character, which is love, which is love. And we see all throughout the scriptures of how Jesus demonstrates that love for us. We're going to fly through these. First, John 4.10. And I want you to pay a specific attention on how each one of these verses start. Let's put our focus on that. First John 4.10. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his, sin to, sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And that word literally means to satisfy the wrath of God against sin. Ephesians 1.5, look how it starts. And I use part of verse 4, so don't get on to me for those of you who are Bible scholars. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Guys, God does not want to be separated from us. So he made a way by sending his one and only son. God in the flesh is a baby. To show us that he had a plan to demonstrate that love. And one of the most fa famous verses of our faith sums it all up, John 3, 16. And I want, if you have a pen or you're taking notes on your phone or whatever, I want you to underline, I'm gonna highlight some words, I want you to underline them in your Bible. For God so loved, underline that, the world, that he gave, underline he gave, his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Man, that's it right there, guys. For God so loved that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. <laughs> Here's the beautiful thing. What did God gain from all that? What did Jesus gain from enduring all that pain all the way up to the cross, he gets us. He gets us. He did it all for you and I this morning. And we sing it on that last song. Praise forever to the King of Kings. Amen? Praise forever to the King of Kings. And guys, we could stop right there and give an invitation, and it would be enough talking about God's great power, his grace, his forgiveness of sins, and his love for us. There's nothing better, amen? But I think it's also important for us to go back to our original text, and let's take a look at Mary's response to the news from Gabriel. And let's look at how she responds. We see a great model from Mary on how we should respond in our Christian faith. And I believe there's four responses that Mary had that we can learn from this morning. So let's dig in. Number one, Mary reasons. 
Let's look back at verse 28 in our original text. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Guys, the definition of discern here is like to perceive or recognize or to come to know or recognize mentally. So what Mary was trying to do is she was trying to figure out how the angel's appearance in his words could be true. See, this, this didn't, Mary was Jewish, and this didn't fit her worldview. Like, men did not greet women that way. They just didn't. Men were actually encouraged not to talk to women at all. So Mary's like, what is going on? This is odd. You know, she, was she hallucinating? Was she dreaming? And even, especially announcing himself by saying, greetings. Men just didn't do that in her culture. And on top of it all, the angel of the Lord, Gabriel too. But here's the deal, guys. Just like those of us who are Christ followers, before we became Christ followers and believed in the gospel message, we reasoned in our minds and our hearts if this was all true or not. And Mary is no different. It was just as hard for Mary to believe the gospel too. Let's look at verse 30. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and be the son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. See, guys, Mary knew about the prophecy of the coming Messiah and how he would be from the throne of David. So Mary reasoned and she pondered the evidence that the angel had given her and she concluded its truth. And guys, this is a great example to us to be willing to use our reason to weigh the Christian message. So not only did Mary reason, though, but number two, Mary questions. Mary questions. The Christian faith, guys, is a, is a marathon. I don't know if you knew that. Sometimes we just like to sprint. We stub our toe. We fumble. We fall down. And uh, she's really early. And she just, just threw me off. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's continue. <sighs> All right, where were we? Yeah, so the Christian faith, it, it happens in stages, right? It's not just a single stroke thing. I mean, we have these Christian highs. You know, like when I was a teenager, like I'd go to camp and I'd have this Christian high, or I'd go to a conference and I'd get this high, right? But it takes diligence, prayer, stuff. What is going on? It takes diligence, prayer, study of scripture, community, and lots of faith, guys. And Mary's no different. She questions what is about to happen to her. Look at verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Guys, Mary was honest and humble about her uncertainties. In church, this is perfectly okay. It is okay to be honest with God about our uncertainties. 
I think sometimes we think if we doubt or question God that we are a bad person or we don't have enough faith. And I would guarantee in a crowd this large, someone has told you that before. But what we see here, what we see here in this scripture though, is that asking questions, having uncertainties, opens up for God to reveal himself even more in our lives. Ask God questions. He wants to hear them. Tell God about your insecurities. He wants to hear them. Don't hold back. I love this quote. Honest doubts are open to belief. Think about that. Honest doubts are open to belief. Don't let Satan tell you for one minute if you question God that you are not a follower of him anymore. Ask God questions. He wants to hear them. Think about it. For those of you that are married, if you never ask your spouse any questions about how they're feeling or how they're doing or all those things, man, you wouldn't have a very good relationship. And it's the same with God. Ask God questions. Talk to him. He wants to hear from you. Tell him about your honest doubts. But the angel reassures her. Let's look look back at verse 35. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Check this out. For nothing is impossible with God. Guys, verse 37 is such a comforting verse for Mary and for us. Even when we question, even when we doubt, even when it seems hopeless, in all our uncertainties, nothing is impossible with God. So not only does Mary reason and she questions but Mary gets to the place and Mary surrenders in verse 38 she says and Mary said behold I am the servant of the Lord and I underline this part let it be to me according to your word and the angel departed from her let it be to me when's the last time you said that to God When's the last time you said, God, let it be to me according to your word? And I want you to notice something about Mary's response. It wasn't this overly enthusiastic, yes, or, man, I'm all in. I love this plan. Think about it. Think about where she lived in that culture. A virgin is pregnant now? Yeah, right. Right? Think about what people were going to think about her. What her, her fiancé was going to think about her. But look what she says again in verse 38. Let it be to me. This doesn't all make sense, but I believe it, and I will follow. In church, I believe this morning that where we get hung up and stall in our faith, 
is we stay, we stay right in the part where we stay in those insecurities. We stay in those questions. And we never take a step towards Jesus. We never take a step towards Jesus. And the reality is this morning that some of you won't make a step towards Jesus unless everything comes together for you rationally, emotionally, and personally. But church, I believe God is calling us out of our comfort zones to stretch our faith and to be more like Mary despite of our insecurities, despite of our doubts, despite of our fears. And when we take that step, it's a foothold to move forward. One step at a time. One foot in front of the other. Like I said earlier, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And here's the beautiful thing about our church. I, I believe this. Once you make that step, whatever it is, there's going to be a community of people that will gather around you and rally behind you to help you continue forward. And guys, that's why we have pushed life groups so much. We need community. We need community. And Mary finds community. Let's look again at the scripture. Verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. She's going to visit, visit Elizabeth here. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you, young woman, or blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Guys, Mary found community with Elizabeth, who affirmed Mary in her decision to surrender. So once you surrender to something, guys, it's important for you to find somebody that will affirm that in you and help you continue to move forward. And lastly, guys, Mary worships. Mary worships. And I'm going to read part of the Magnificat. If you, if you want to go and read the whole thing later, you can. But what Mary realizes is that this was not a contradiction of her biblical faith, but it was rather a fulfillment of her biblical faith. So she responds with worship. Let's read what she says in verse 30, 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Guys, as Mary accepted her pregnancy, she accepted God's will for her life, even at the risk of her life and disdain of others. She saw God's hand and his goodness all the way through. And she responded in worship. Guys, that's what worship's all about. I love this definition of worship. I shared this with the young adults a few weeks ago when I spoke to them. Worship is our response, both personal 
and corporate to God for who he is and what he has done, expressed in and by the things we say and the way we live. Guys, and that's exactly what Mary did. She responds to God's beautiful plan and call on her life with worship. As we see how Mary responded to God's call on her life, she reasoned, she questioned, she surrendered, and then she worshiped. And I wonder today, what is it that God's calling you to respond to? What is it that God's calling you to respond to in this season, in this Christmas season as we celebrate our Savior being born? Maybe for some of you this morning, for the first time, you've truly heard that message of how much God loves you and how he sent his son to die for you on the cross. And you want to accept him for the first time through salvation in Jesus. Maybe for some of you, God is calling you to step out of your comfort zone and serve and get plugged in here at church. Or maybe it's to join a life group, to find that community that Mary found with Elizabeth. Whatever it is this morning, whatever it is, whatever God is pulling on your heartstrings about this morning, respond to him. If God has spoke to you today, do not leave this place without responding to him. I'm going to have the worship team come on. And we're, going to, we're going to stand here in just a minute. We're going to sing a song of invitation. We're going to respond in worship this morning. But I want to ask you a question before we do. And just right where you're at, if you just bow your head and close your eyes this morning. For those of you saints, just be praying right now. But I just want to ask a question this morning. Is there anyone in this room today that would say, man, I want that love, that great love from the Father that was sent through the Son, and I want to accept him as my Lord and Savior today. If that's you, would you just be bold right now? Would you just slip up your hand? Is there anyone in the room that would say, that's me, I need to accept Jesus as my Savior today? Anybody? for you saints this morning for those of you who are Christ followers this morning what is it you need to respond to what is God calling to, calling to you about this morning if our prayer team would go ahead and make their way back up I'm going to pray and then you respond as God leads you let's stand together and let's pray God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you for this example of how to respond to you. And God, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would help someone respond to the calling on their life today, whatever that is. 
God, we, let's respond with worshiping you. Thank you for the time we've had together. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about New Beginnings Fellowship, connect with us or give, visit nbfhollister.org.